Welcome to the Unseen Realm with Paul Renfro and friends. I am your host, Paul Renfro, and with me, as you see, are my friends here to discuss together the scriptures in my book, one of the nine book Unseen series titled Nobody Sees This You, How to Live as a Spirit in the Unseen Realm. Now, we're studying this together and posting it for your benefit and the benefit of people that you may forward it to. Because many people are experiencing strange things in their lives that tell them that somebody somewhere unseen is influential in this world. And these things cannot be explained except by the unseen world and the activity of spirits and uh, particularly the, the spirit that created all the everything else, God. In the unseen realm with Paul Renfro and friends, we're discussing these things because all of us are convinced that God is agitating people to draw near to him. And he's agitating you, listener and viewer, to draw near to him because he wants to draw near to you. And it's a great privilege, a great blessing to be the recipients of God's love in a direct personal way. So we invite you to join us as we figure these things out. Now, we're not answer people. We're confident, but we are also question and discovery people and exploring people. And we're talking about the unseen realm. Of course, the only way to know about the unseen realm is if God Almighty, a spirit, reveals it, uh, at least the only way to know about it truthfully and accurately. And so I want you to remember, as you evaluate our podcast, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down because distributor, that helps us in the recommendations made by the various distributors. And I'd like you to subscribe as well so we can build up a community of people who are sharing our curiosity, our curiosity about God's unseen realm, about the Lord Jesus and his activity today, how to overcome darkness and the evil things that happen around us, and to respond to God when he wants us to draw near to him. M.A. Numa. Okay. Next excerpt from chapter three in the book, and that title is The Language of Spirit. Language, by very definition, refers to the perceptible expressions of reality. But what about the imperceptible elements? For those, God uses the word available to us to package his truth for our discovery. Now, we regularly press new words and new uses of old words into our language. By maturing and living spirits, our vocabulary about spirit will sharpen as well. Examples of this are how I might dial a phone. Well, here's my phone. It has no dial. So we have pressed a new definition into an old word. And there's many such languages like this, such as roll up the window. Uh, only one of the persons on this call will will remember rolling up window, right, Jerry? Yeah. And so we we make uh, new uses of word. Uh, there was a word that we use all the time now that we never had before: download, and correspondingly, upload or uptake. Uh, so new words are constantly percolating in language. But God, in His revelation, in the wanted to communicate the unchanging truths about the spirit world. And it's so it has to be translated. So God is very capable. I certainly wouldn't want to be in that position of having my words being translated by somebody 2,000 years from now. The languages exist at the time. 
So our English words often do not capture the Bible language's words for the original discovery. When Apostle Paul writes about spirit, well, we're 2,000 removed from Apostle Paul. We have tools that he could have never dreamed possible. So that's why preachers and teachers often highlight the meaning of the original word in the original languages of the Bible, whether it's Greek or Hebrew. Now, I have a great respect for the translation industry because these are people who do translating the Bible from the original languages. And so I'm certainly not qualified to question anything that any translator has achieved. And normally they work in committees and groups of people, so there's group consensus at work as well. However, they do work within the standpoint of their particular language, their culture, their time and history. Well, our rediscovery about living spirits also is influenced by these language dynamics. Now, let's consider the original Greek word in the New Testament that is used for the word spirit is a Greek word spelled P in English, P-N-E-U-M-A. And we pronounce it pneuma. Now, pneumatic. Uh, pneumonia. And uh, so these, these prefixes of pneuma suggest air, wind, pneumonia, breathing, pneumatic, you know, air pressure. And in the Bible and in the Greek language of the day, it had a very wide range of meaning. Now, let's use our own language for an example. If I asked you how many definitions there are for the word bar, then you would say, well, 10. In fact, there are hundreds in the Oxford English Dictionary of definitions for our word bar, B-A-R, like the bar of yours, the bar of metal, uh, the bar where you get something to drink, or the bar of a standard to achieve. We could also pick the word set, like uh, set in place or uh, other things. The word set alone has 430 distinct definitions in the English dictionary. Just the word set, S-E-T. Well, when it comes to the Greek language, pneuma was equally versatile. It, among the words used to translate pneuma in the Bible are air, wind, and breath. These are just four. The translators have identified 100 different uses in the Bible for the one word, pneuma. Despite so many meanings, the native Greek speaks 2,000 years ago knew exactly what the meaning was attended in each sentence. For us, it takes effort and we have to rely upon our translators or study and get really good at it. Now, I've studied Greek. I've had many years of Greek study and still uh, feel comfortable with Greek. But by no means does that equip me or uh, qualify me to tell you uh, exhaustively what is and isn't. So we rely on our translators and we trust that God, who thought this whole deal up about the word of God, has given us something that's trustworthy. Now, what, let's just take ourselves, however. we You can just see the word uh, set in a passage of English. There's 430 meanings. How do you know which? Or we could have the word run. That has 179 English definitions. 
the word take, 127 English definitions. So if you wrote using those words, how would your readers know which of the definitions you intended? Well, after the work of our excellent lexicographers regarding pneuma and the Greek word pneuma, what a, number one, and you cannot mistake this about God, to describe himself, God chose a language in a culture in a time that had a versatile, non-precise word for spirit. Now, if spirit is the backing of the entire tapestry of reality, why would he do this? Why wouldn't he give us outlines and theologicals and other things like that? And the only reason that uh, makes sense is that God wants to impart a knowledge and a perception to us that exceeds the limits of human language. By using a versatile word, pneuma in this case, God is painting a picture like the pointillist painters of the early 20th century. You remember they, they composed a whole scene, but their, their brush, they didn't have brush strokes, they had brush dots. And so he paints individual dots with each pneuma. And to appreciate such paintings, we can certainly stand close and see the artistry of the, the brush dots, but we have to stand back to perceive the whole picture. And so that's one purpose that we gather from God's choice of pneuma. The second purpose, God chose the Greek language and its word pneuma to paint a very specific feature, namely the essence of true reality, something that has to be revealed, something that is beyond the normal experience of a human being in the flesh. These versatile meanings uh, allow the sum total of its uses to describe the sum total of reality, all existence. And so the New Testament reveals through these, this very versatile word that spirit is the reality behind everything we experience and perceive. Everything else serves as dots to express spirit. And so just like we've been using the tapestry, on the freight room facing side, you have the events, the places, the times, the people, the circumstances, but the backing is uniform, all one fabric. And that is spirit, that is pneuma. So now the analytical within us might see only the dots to God's pointless portrayal. But if we want understanding, we step back and take the complete image. And once you let the dots recede into the background, you can interact with the entire picture that results in technical elements. It's kind of like those um, optical illusions where all you see is strokes of one kind or another. And then at one point, you see what the picture is, and after that, you can never unsee it. It is with God's worst use of the word pneuma. So our discoveries of the unseen world are immature as a race, as individuals growing over time. And as a result, our languages are too immature for communication about it. The foundation of all reality is spirit, pneuma. This is revealed in the Bible. But your maturity and every maturity and every reader's maturity will determine what you receive and perceive when the Bible uses that word spirit. Now, Jesus expressed this very clearly in a statement that he repeated and is cited more than any other time in the Bible. And that is this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's from pages 54 to 55 of chapter 3 in the book, Nobody Sees This You, How to Live as a Spirit in the Unseen Realm by Gersh Truly.
And so let's open it up for uh, conversation. And I'm going to have Lundy unmute herself. And Lundy, what are your thoughts about this? Because this is a topic that I know is of interest to you. Oh, definitely. Um, knowing what the, the meaning of a word is and um, you normally you know, consider the context and consider the whole document. And um, but that's just fascinating that there are so many <laughs> meanings for those words. And it just makes me think of the verse, uh, seek me with all your heart and you will find me. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, I guess mm -hmm. we just. I guess I just need to keep going to the Lord and asking him to give me understanding of things. If I can't reach you and ask. <laughs> well, <laughs> with, with I think you're better on him. <laughs> Plus he lives your, in you. <laughs> I have questions when I reach out to you. Thank oh, you. It's enjoyable. It's so enjoyable. And uh, I'm going to come back to you, Lundy, well, because, you know, talking about that multiple, uh, I want to, I want to come back in a moment because, Lundy, you're trained in two highly exacting professions. And we've talked about how one word can have precise meanings and versatile meanings. And and we've talked about bar and run and set. And I'd like to just reflect, uh, benefit from your experience as a as, with training in two very exacting professions uh, as to language and that kind of thing. But Rebecca, what are your thoughts about what we've been talking about here? Yeah, it's just interesting. Um, I, I kind of feel like maybe, um, well, you had said that um, it was kind of an understood thing um, in the early church and um, about spirit. It's just um, kind of, I think, gotten mine um, and through translations and um, just different, you know, Greek language anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and but um, I think it's um, something that God is kind of trying to show the church now. And it maybe just been a kind of a slower um it's kind of been at a slower pace, but uh, getting to the end of the age, starting to feel more things like that, because uh, just becoming so apparent and in our face. So, um, yeah, I just think it's by revelation, but um, it seems um, kind of is, has been doing uh, more people are open to it now. This uh, a little question with what God's revealing and our maturity and readiness to receive it individually and as base. Is that what kind of what you're saying? I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I, it seems like, um, you know, I know God, there have been different movements throughout the church and um, it seems like he realized a level, level um, different things to us. But just as a church body, I think that he also does um, begin to reveal um, different topics and kind of just bring to the forefront um, at different times throughout history. You know, it, uh, I just think uh, you're perfectly qualified to talk about it because you're the mother a young child, and yeah. um, uh, I don't suppose yet, is that correct? And that's yeah. probably because she's not ready, as in can't read the pedals, and also doesn't have the intelligence yet, is that kind of right. what's on? <laughs> and illegal, and illegal, yeah. <laughs> and illegal, and so uh, it's uh, similar to what God, the patient has to uh, size with us. Let me ask you, Rebecca, of your child, if uh, at some point in time uh, she uh, refused to uh, study in school to read, uh, when she became 16 or 18, whatever, uh, if she was legally qualified to drive, would you drive? 
Um, I I probably would not know. I would have to do some remedial, <laughs> some remedial training for sure. Right, science and uh, yep. Uh, yep. being unwilling to learn to read and to do the work yeah. along the way. That's twelve of resistant expectation, uh, particularly a parent section. So, well, golly, I wonder how many of us uh, would be painted with that brush, you know, because uh, it's not natural for us to obey God. And we're just like that, refuse to murder. And many, do you know some people who, be, who to whom that would imagine you do? Yeah. Well, how about you, uh, Jerry? Let, uh, before we go back to Lundy, uh, how about you? What are your thoughts about this? We've been talking about new mud. Well, I wanted to your use of um, examining a sentence, just one sentence, especially in your book three, and how you formed the the concepts of things that happened that weren't really described in Genesis, but you, when you went through and revealed things to me that I never saw or thought of, it, it was because of your ice uh, examination of words in that sentence. And that's why I like book three so much, is because mm. it does open up a lot of things that I didn't, never thought about or didn't know. But then, um, sitting in Sunday school, we're reading, we're, you know, we're studying Revelation. And various people read, you know, and uh, certain passages, then we talk about it. And I'm sitting there following the reader in my version of, in the NIV. And they're in either the NASB or they're in, you know, I, I said, well, that's not what it says in mine, you know, and have, I, I guess the question I have for you is, have you seen the variation in different uh, Bible publications that create issues for you when you are um, writing your books or when you're in, in detail meanings and um, trying to express just like what we're talking about? That's a really good question. Uh I'll tell you I've resolved that because uh, you know I, I as part of my before I ever thought that I would write anything other than my personal private journal uh, I thought well I, I had a very nice scholarship uh, I was a brand new Christian I was backpacking down into the Grand Canyon in 1974 and so I got this very nice um, you know and I said, well, uh, the Bible. And uh, so that there weren't anything else that appealed to me, frankly. But um, so for four years, uh, I was a religion major with a church minor and also and really pursued. And Distin um, was able to excel uh, with help. And so uh, I will say over the years, I have used the. New Internet Standard and the Revised Standard Version. Them on a case if there's a, a question mark that arises. And just for the listener and the reader, you can go find online at, at BibleGateway.com. It's very handy, and you can compare different translations side by side. But I have a policy, and because of my respect 
for the industry and the leaders. I have simply chosen to use the New King James Version as my primary. And because I'm not inclined to consider myself qualified to make judgments among the translations as to quality. And so therefore, I just read what syncs best with my way of thinking. I did all my scripture memory back in the 70s and 80s and 90s in the New International Version. But then they adopted some translation uh, standards that I felt were too uh, about 20 years ago. And so at that point, I switched to the New, Inter uh, the New King James Version. But I consult them all uh, regularly. But I, I simply have a policy of starting with the New King James Version. Uh, and frankly, the same limitation applies to anybody born in the 20th century trying to translate something that was written in the first century, 10,000 miles away and about 40 million cultures in between. And so you just have to rely on the fact that God appointed a translation process to be part of manifesting his revelation because he actually chose Jesus to have instead of leaving him on earth where we could go visit him and lives in us. And so in concert with the Trishan industry, when we read the scripture, the Holy Spirit speaks within us. And then because I have had some education, I am able to solve some things on my own for my own satisfaction using the original Greek for the New Testament. So, well, let's finish up by coming back to you, Lundy, because I asked you to reflect on this word in, in respect of the precision required in your own professional training and into very exacting professional fields. So what are your thoughts about that when you compare that with uh, translation and use of words in Scripture? Oh, sure, sure. Early from um, as a as a lawyer, it seems like multiple interpretations could be made from any document, and you do generally want to take it in context. And hopefully, there if it's a contract, there are adequate definitions. If it's a statute, there are adequate definitions given. But even then, you have so much case law <laughs> that can stem off of um, the meaning of words and how it applies. And so me, I've I've thought that about scripture. It's it it is a, a document and multiple interpretations made to to fit in one's ask I want to know what God's interpretation is. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. It's so beautiful to say that. <laughs> well uh I, I think you'd agree with me. There are so many people who, for whom God's interpretation is subordinate to their preferred interpretation. Have any yes. of y'all met people like that? Where don't bother me with alternative explanations. This is what it says. I've made up my mind. My, I have a sister like that. And uh, I sent her my book. And she said, thanks for the book. But I've already made up my mind what I believe. Well, okay, good. You know, I've made up my mind too, but that 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 doesn't mean it's closed at both ends. You know, um, Lord, every day. And um, gosh, what a what a thrill to discuss these things with you. Just to reflect, Lundy, on what you said. How much constitutional law has been written and studied? Oh, golly, 
how many legal opinions have been issued uh, that relate to the United States Constitution? Now, the United States Constitution contains 4,543 words. Golly, that is like nothing compared to the law. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm sure some, I'm searching it right now. How many words? Sure enough, 783,137 words. And so there's there's plenty of room to disagree and to come to consensus. And I personally think that that is part of the maturing process that God appointed for you, viewer, and, and us here in the group. Because how, it is the glory of kings, it is the glory of God to conceal something. But it's the glory of kings to search it out. That's Proverbs 25, 2. And that's what we're about here in our Zoom Bible study. Thanks. for. Hey, wow. What, how about that? Jerry, I didn't get a chance to come back to you. What did you think of uh, of that, uh, that my response to what you were saying about the different translations? Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> <I get a laughs> you usually do. Well, you're very kind. I'll get a star. Yeah, you do. <laughs> We'll continue our discussion in the next episode of The Unseen Realm with Paul Renfro and his friends. In the show notes are the links mentioned as well as the whiteboard we used and the scriptures that we discussed. Now, you already know that our podcast and Bible discussion benefits from your thumbs up or thumbs down, right? So thanks for doing that, and we'll enjoy your participation. If you have questions or interest, you can use the contact form at ParadigmLighthouse.com to reach out to us.